Welcome back. The football season is back, as is the National League. Well, not the National League as such, but the North and South Divisions. The National League start this coming weekend. We'll be previewing that later on. However, the North and South did take place. The first weekend's results are now in, and we will get into those shortly. But I'm going to introduce you to my panel. Of course, I am Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for tuning in. And um, We've got Rob Worrell. Hiya, Rob. Yeah, good to speak again, Luke. Great to... Uh... Great to get things underway again for 21-22. Does it feel like we've had it? We've only, how long is it? Four weeks since I saw you? Maybe? Yeah, it's it's not that long and football never seems to have stopped, does it? We had the National League playoff final and the, was it something like the 20th of June? The Euros had already started. Of course, that went all the way in with, uh, with England as well. And uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever really been away, have we? <laughs> Don't feel like it. And also back is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. Hi, Rob. How's it going? And uh, we may get Tom's son, Joby, at some point to uh, give us his predictions. <laughs> He's got a lot to say for himself, mostly from the bottom half at the moment. But um, <laughs> it's about as much hot air as we'll come up with, I'm sure. <laughs> well, and even Keel. Let's have a look at the South first. Before we do that, obviously, we've got herds uh, from a manager who's hoping that their team will do well this season. It is Neil Baker and he caught up with Rob during the pre-season. Just a week now, Neil, until the National League South season kicks off. How's your pre-season been? Yeah, I mean, on the whole, um, reasonable. It's it's not been perfect. I don't think any pre-season's perfect, to be honest. But um, I think I think you sort of, as long as you don't pick up too many injuries, which we haven't so far. I think we picked up one today, but... Um, on the whole, as long as we, you know, keep most people fit, you know, I think you've got to say that's a pretty positive pre-season. But no, we're, we're quite happy. We've got a few young, young lads that we're blood in at the moment, and they've done really well pre-season, and, and they've given us a bit of a headache, really, I guess. So no, we, we, we're genuinely happy. It's the right sort of headache. Um, we spoke to John around about this time last year. You were impressive um, against Aldershot last year, and 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 hopes were high for the season. Obviously, the pandemic kind of affected and kind of killed everybody. But um, in the end, was it probably, in terms of how things went on the pitch, a good season to have the pandemic and the not <laughs> season not finished? Do you know what? I, I think it was very difficult because I think probably from from the time actually we played Aldershot, and that was the night where we weren't sure whether the season was going to even start. And um, I think I think predominantly we we didn't believe that the season would finish, and I think mentally that's quite difficult. Um, I think we're a type of team that that you know we you know we play almost like we have where we have the fans you know that we, we you know we, we want to get in people's faces and, and not having that it was so sterile just didn't think we we sort of turned up really and uh, but it was it was so hard because myself as a manager John as a manager you know we we were going into games and and we we sort of knew it wasn't going to really matter and we weren't pushing the players I don't think and. And, uh, and and the players certain, certainly probably weren't at their their, their usual levels um, because predominantly the side that we had, had had got to the playoffs, you know, a month earlier. So um, um, so yeah, it, it was it was just a, a strange strange situation. I had uh, you know personal issues with my father as well. You know, he was sort of going through um, yeah, chemotherapy. So it, it was it was a difficult year, and I'm not going to lie, it was uh, uh, when it when it finished, it was probably a, a blessing in disguise. Now, I can't come to Slough without noticing that Mr. Scotty Davies is still around. <laughs> you tried to get rid of him. We tried. He's come back again. <laughs> I did catch a glimpse of him pre-season at Farnborough the other mm. week playing centre-back. 
Yeah. What have you seen that we yeah, didn't? Yeah, no, 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 no. no. He, he won't be playing centre back. <laughs> I'll tell you that now. Uh, no, it, you know, we, we had to just it's sort of giving people minutes and 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 uh, not playing people for too long. Um, so he's he's actually played centre half a couple of times, but no, he's he's definitely not going to be playing centre half for us. Uh, he's just a great character, Scott. Um, a very good player. You know, he's got still so much quality. Um, but he's a positive person in the change room and, um, and that's what we want. You know, we haven't got the budgets of some of the sides in our league this year. So we have to have a good good bunch of players, good group that, you know, when when you turn up, you want to be at football. And, and Scott was one of those people that we wanted in our changing room and say, you know, he, he, he might not play every single game, um, but he'll, he'll have a big impact for us and say you, you can see at times he can just still spray a ball like like nobody can really and uh, you know he makes the odd mistake um, but that's because of how he plays so yeah delighted to have him back he's a, he's a great character and one other player that stood out for me today and stood out for me last season as well made some exceptional saves in both matches uh, uh, football starts with keeping the ball out at one end and Jonathan North does you proud yeah he's uh, he's excellent uh, he's a he's very bright he's a he's a great shot stopper i think he made a um, an early save uh, probably 2 or 3 minutes in which was a great great bit of interchange from from all the shot um, then he made a, a excellent save from Toby Ebser, uh, Toby Edser sort of midway through the first half and and then oh, a fantastic save with his feet right at the end you know so um, yeah he, he's a he's a great keeper you know that's what you, that's what you have keepers for isn't it you know and uh, he's he's definitely one of the the better ones around that's for sure and a final uh, question for you by the time this podcast goes out I think it's going to be just after um, the first game who have you got first game so we've got Chelmsford Chelmsford at home first game um, which will be difficult and then and then we then we travel to Dartford who are one of the uh, one mm. of the favourites for it this year Kingy's uh, got a number of players in so yeah it's going to be going to be a tough start and that was Neil Baker before we got on to the other results got to start off with Slough uh, a good 1-0 win for them against Chelmsford Tom yeah it was um, I think it's been interesting. There was a, a, a bit of a prediction doing the rounds on social media this week, which had Slough in, in the relegation spots. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we were tagged in on Twitter, weren't we? And I was a bit surprised at that. We were, yeah. And I thought, you know, it's, it's potentially a little bit fair. I, I don't think we've got the same Slough team that we saw two seasons ago when they had that playoff run. Um, but they're still a strong squad. They've got a lot of consistency. They've brought a lot of the same players through the years. Um, and it was obviously very nice for uh, Neil and, and for John as well that, Tom Derry, one of their new signings, got the goal that got them over the line yesterday. Um, Tom Derry's been around the block at this level. He's been at Tunbridge. He's been at Braintree. Um, and to see him get off the mark yesterday, Slough fans will be really pleased with that. Because obviously, having lost Dan Roberts, he was the main guy up front for them last season. Of course, we know he's off to flyer at Dartford already. Um, they would have been looking at that and saying, where are the goals going to come from? So, yeah, the, the supporters and the management team will be pleased that they've, they've got him off the mark. Rob, you spoke to Neil Baker, obviously, in pre-seasons, we heard there. I mean, what did you make of him and, and, and how their season will go, do you think? Well, it's always an interesting one with Slough, isn't it? Because they persist with what they call joint managers. It seems to work for them. Um, but yeah, as you say, flirting in the playoff areas two seasons ago and then last season that obviously uh, ended prematurely. But they were, I think, second or third bottom when it ended. And I think that's probably the reason why they ended up as somebody's tips for relegation this season. Um, Based on how much of a fact, I don't know. Let's just have a little focus at the other end. For me, I know we covered it in that interview with Neil Baker, but I'm so impressed. I really like Jonathan North. I've seen him play three times 
and he's been outstanding every single time. It's no surprise to me that uh, that he kept a clean sheet yesterday. Former England Sea goalkeeper, of course, back in his pomp. I think when he was at Wheelstone, when they were in the south, he was he was in and around the England Sea set up. Just before we move on, Tom Chelmsford, it's I think it's difficult to predict how they'll do this year. I think they'll be happy with a sort of settled mid-table. And it's been interesting as well to read their chief exec's been writing a column in a non-league paper about how it's opened his eyes. He's never really worked in football before and how that's all opened his eyes. And he's going to sort of relay what goes on behind the football club. But on the pitch, I think Chelsea fans are quite realistic in terms of they don't think they'll really do much this year. And I think they take mid-table. Yeah, and I think they'd be right to do so, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, bringing in Charlie Sheringham's good signing, uh, Louis Dunn uh, has earned his chance at step two after what he's done at Farnborough over the last season a bit. I think, um, yeah, again, four, three, four years ago, you're looking at Chelmsford as solid playoff semi finalists every season, um, but I don't think we're I don't think we're in that time anymore. I think that uh, mid mid table will do them well. They've got a good front lineup. I think Adam Morgan, after a season embedding himself down in Essex, is is poised for a good season. But there just isn't enough depth through the midfield, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, mid-table's probably about where you'd expect them to finish. Yeah, one interesting thing about Chelmsford, as Tom says, you know, they were perennial kind of playoff uh, finishes for a while. But looking at our predictions for uh, the National League South, none of the five of us, that's obviously us three, uh, and Dickie Wharton and Chris Pratt, none of us have picked Chelmsford to be in either the playoff or the relegation picture. Uh, picture. So that would kind of back up uh, what uh, you guys have been saying. Interestingly enough, as we now look at potentially the title challenges in the National League South, we've all agreed unanimously the title winners will begin with the letter D. Uh, So uh, we've got three that have gone for Dartford. And funnily enough, it's us three. We've all gone for Steve King's lot, whereas uh, Dickie and Chris think that Dorking might come through. Of course, they had uh, mixed fortunes on the opening day, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they did. And uh, uh, Dartford obviously got off to a slightly better start than Dorking uh, for the season. It's been really interesting, some of the noises coming out of Dorking. You know, we've heard, we, we know they've got a good budget. We know they're, they're well back financially. We know that, for example, uh, Mark King, well, Mark White, rather, Mark King, now that's a horrendous concept, a, a mix of the <laughs> two. Uh, <laughs> We know that Mark White referred to a 750,000 of sponsorship money that was being put into the club that didn't come from his funds. Now, for him now to be saying, actually, he thinks Dorking had probably only got the sixth or seventh top budget in the division, um, I think that's quite far-fetched based on those figures. Um, but I think there's an element of expectation management. We're looking at the second season, third season right now, where Dorking are heavily fancied. And I think he's trying to manage expectations to a degree, which is a sensible thing to do. Because um, he also a, made the point, he went, oh, everyone else has signed really well, so it's going to be a lot tougher as well. Exactly. And Steve Steve King made the same argument in the non-league paper uh, last week, I think. It's a strong league at, at the top of the table, not just Dorking and Dartford. But you look at, I was a bit underwhelmed with Haven't's business coming up to the last week. But then in the last sort of week and a half, some of the Oscar Gobbins come in, Manny Adebawali's coming on loan. They've got Scott Randell over the line. Like, that's a good squad at Haven't now. Maidstone, they've just signed Jerome Bin and Williams today. Maidstone are looking good. Ebbsfleet are looking good. Hampton, of course, are looking good. Um, but yeah, to go back to the results, obviously, Dorking, uh, a slightly more difficult result for them on the day. Um, they came up against a, a, what sounds like a very inspired goalkeeping performance from Concord's on loan, Miles Roberts. 
Um, but Dartford, of course, uh, the, just the potency that they have up front this season. Steve King's had a difficult time over the last year getting his Dartford front line sorted. He's tried Charlie Sheringham, Phil Roberts. He brought back Chris Dixon and ended up with him for a while last season. He's had Alfie Pavey there. Well, no, I don't think he has had everything, but he's now always oh, had McQueen, Remain. Like He's tried a lot of strikers. And this season, he's got Adi Aziz, Jake Robinson and Dan Roberts. And I think that's his front three. Um, and it was Aziz who got the opener for them and Dan Roberts with two stoppage time goals to get them the win. And he'll be delighted with that. All that matters on day one, get that three points under your belt. Um, and he'll be feeling really pleased with that result. As easy as that, literally. Yeah, I don't think he particularly, I don't think he particularly looked strong and obviously a very weak oversight season in the National League. But Steve King knows a good player when he sees one. Perhaps he feels just dropping down that one level might make the difference. But with the other two, my goodness me, they're proven, aren't they? And you can expect goals from uh, from both of them. We, we have to mention, because he uh, caught the limelight again, in that uh, post-match after mm. Dawkins' uh, unexpected defeat. I'm just trying to think what words of what he said we can use. I well, think in the written can... report, it just said he needed to show Concord more respect. But in his video one, he chucked in a few expletives, it was fair to say. He, he wasn't happy, yeah. was he? Ignoring the expletives, he effectively called uh, a, a big-time tossers performance. I think we can use those words. And uh, he said uh, big-time tossers won't last long here. But it is interesting, isn't it? The psychology, as Tom alluded to, uh, at Dorking now with his, all this expectation, because they've always been batting above and groundbreaking, forcing their way in where they shouldn't be and they've never been. And, uh, and now... Um, you know, heavy, heavy favourites along with Dartford to win this league. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that this is a new challenge for them. This is absolutely a new challenge for them. Um, I think one of the other things that we've got to mention, uh, obviously Josh Taylor got sent off for Dorking yesterday. I know it was late in the game, probably didn't have too much impact. But there's a lot expected from him this season. He's come with a good reputation from Haven and from Sutton before. Um, I don't think Dorking's business this summer has been that impressive, if I'm honest. Um, I think, in my opinion, the best player that has moved clubs affecting Dorking this season is Sam Beard, and he's been outbound. Um, and I don't know that they've recruited in a way that's improved their first team as much as Mark Whitehead liked. Whereas Dartford, we haven't even mentioned him yet, signing the season for them, potentially, Kieran Murtar in from Boreham Wood. Um, at step two, he has the ability to dominate games. Yes, a really good point. Uh, really good point, Tom. Um, so we covered those two. The other team that feature heavily in our top, uh, you know, top six predictions, uh, top seven predictions, is Ebbsfleet. We've all pitched for them finishing in a playoff position, and uh, uh, Dicky and Chris have both said that they think they'll win the playoffs. Um, and they got off to a cracking start, didn't they, on Saturday? Almost the best start of the day, and we'll stop teasing you soon and finally come to you, Tom. But um, let's just talk about Ebsfleet's uh, five-goal romp and uh, a striker that uh, hit the ground with a hat-trick. And uh, we were talking in the WhatsApp group about him, Tom. Tell the listeners a little bit more about uh, the man who collapsed the opposition for Ebsfleet on Saturday. Yeah, so he actually joined Ebsfleet towards the back end of last season, Dominic Polion. Um, I think he was released from... Newport in the in the new year um, and he did actually get one appearance for Dover on loan last season but it's the, you know he's absolutely hit the ground running I think 
I think he plays through the midfield for Ebbsfleet, but I might be wrong on that. Um, but a first-day hat-trick is absolutely not to be sniffed off. Um, Rakesh Bingham off the mark as well, so they'll be pleased with that. He is really their go-to guy for goals. And I think the big thing for uh, for Dennis Kutcheb is he's got a year under his belt and he knows he knows the National League South a year better than he did last season. Um, we were starting to see that towards the back end of, of the curtailed season last year. Um, Ebbsfleet started very badly, but from the turn of the year, they were one of the form sides. Um, I remember going away down there on a Tuesday night in January with Hampton and they were very, very good. Potentially, probably the most polished team that we came up against on the road last season. Um, so, yeah, he, I, I think Dennis Kutcher has, has got a solid unit there. I think they're going to be very, very tough to beat. And budget-wise, we don't know the ins and outs of all the clubs, but I, I am prepared to share this. Aldershot Town in the National League lost a player of the quality of Craig Tanner to Ebbsfleet and uh, understand that Aldershot couldn't get anywhere near to the waves that Tanner is on at Ebbsfleet. And uh, that's just uh, symptomatic of something, I guess, that's going to come up again and again, uh, you know, in our preview and in our opening conversations this year. But one of the reasons we love football boys is that big budget doesn't necessarily mean success. And absolutely, Sutton could not have proved that more convincingly last year, could they? And of course, we've got the experiences of Barrow and Macclesfield before that. I think you, you're right. Ebbsfleet are definitely the top end of the budget in the National League South. I think there's no surprise that they're like you know people are talking the likes of Havant, Dorking, Dartford. Uh, I think Maidstone probably up there as well on the basis of the, the, the crowds they will get. Um, but they have signed well. Uh, I, I think it didn't even mention Elliot Romain. You know, what a player he's been over the last two or three seasons in this league. Um, and to bring him in to support the likes of uh, Polion and Michael West, Rakish Bingham, Lee Martin's still there as well. He's a cracking winger. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think Ad, well, Adam Mecky as well, who scored the fifth goal for Ebbsfleet yesterday. Uh, in Friend of the podcast. Absolutely being kept off the top on goal difference, aren't they, Tom? By Hampton and Richmond Borough. Yes, indeed. Um, and that is absolutely the way to start your centenary season. Um, it's a big, big year for the Beavers um, in 21-22. And they started it fantastically. So, interestingly, Hampton and Richmond Borough haven't won an opening game of the season since, I think, 2014. Um, so, there were not huge expectations going down to Eastbourne. Most of the fans that I spoke to on the day were predicting a draw, really. One all was, was often mentioned. So then when Cadell Daniel, who uh, came in from Kingstone in the summer, got off the mark after three minutes and then added another one on 11. And then Eastbourne got that deserved red card for Stephen James on 23 minutes. Uh, I think it was sort of uh, just, yeah, buzzing. The, the crowd was, the, the Hampton fans were delighted. The team were flying and they played some really great stuff. Eastbourne, God bless them, never really threatened. Had a couple of saves, which Alan Julian had to beat away, but they weren't. You know, they weren't threatening regularly, whereas Hampton, on the other hand, looked like they could go forward any time. Um, goal of the game, absolutely Kyron Farrell, 30-yard rocket straight into the top corner. I think there's a video of it doing the rounds on Instagram at the moment. Um, but there's there's a lot of confidence at the Beverly at the moment. Um, bringing in Jerome Slew from Wilson, that's a, that's a good, great signing. Um, getting Ryan Gondo back on a permanent from Wilson, that's a really good signing as well. You know, he's got so much quality at his level. But... As with last season, the best signings are the ones that they retained. To keep 13-plus players from your core at step two for a part-time team is really quite remarkable. 
and it shows a lot about the bond that they've got in that team. Um, and, and this is a team that feel like they were cusping at the playoffs for two seasons in a row and were denied the opportunity to go for that through COVID. And they're certainly not the only team in the league that feel that way, but there's a lot of desire, I think, to go one better this season. Yeah, of course, another player. They've got David Fisher back on and long from AFC Wimbledon as well, haven't they? They have, yeah. He's, you know, he's, um, he, he was banging form at the end of last season. He just scored three and three when the, the league got curtailed. Um, and that's another interesting little quirk, which is that that's actually Hampton's ninth away win on the trot. Yeah, excellent, Tom. That's the point I was just going to come in and make. And the other point I'm going to make, just for the benefit of our listeners, if you listen regularly, you'll probably know this, but one of the reasons Tom sounds so informed about Hampton and Richmond Borough is because he is actually the club's official photographer. And uh, um, a big moment for yourself as well this weekend, Tom, as, uh, as the pitch that first goal celebration made the front page, full colour picture of... Uh, um, of the celebration for you on the non-league paper. Yeah, buzzing about that. That was quality. I'm really pleased uh, with that one. So I think it's, fans are back and that it just makes everything better. It makes the, the experience better. It makes the photos better. You know, no one wants to see players celebrating in front of empty stands, do they? And I think, you know, with that, if I get a bit arty about it for a moment, I think the, the essence of sports journalism, whatever it is you do, whether it's, commentary for yourself Rob or writing or photography it's capturing the emotion that is inherent in sport and that's why we love sport that's why we engage with it and so when you see that interaction between player and fans um, with the first goal or debut goal as well for Cads um, it's just it was a really nice moment and yeah it's great to be on the front page and they've just got to sort out that home form now as good as the away run is um, do you think the fans being back in at the Beavery will uh, will, will will get them across the line? I mean, yeah, it's going to be it's going to help, but every team's going to have that this season. Um, and I think traditionally in non-league, away fans, away support's more vocal. Um, away support are great, aren't they? Just pulling that ball into the net at times, um, especially when they move around behind the goal, etc. I think I think there's a playoff playoff challenging team in there. It's just a very strong league. Just while we're finishing at the top end of the National League South, a quick mention for Haven't and Waterlooville. You mentioned you weren't overly impressed by their signings until the last few days, uh, Tom, but it's worth mentioning that all five of us have suggested that they will make the uh, playoffs. And we've all, all five of us said that Hampton and Richmond Borough will as well. Uh, and Maidstone, I think, appear in there three or four times as well. I uh, haven't got the results in front of me. How did Maidstone do on the opening day? 4-2 against Hamill, um, which I think is is probably what you'd expect. Um, I think they got... Who was it that scored twice? They, did, they didn't get Luke because he got two. Awful. Absolutely awful. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Joan Luke is back at National League South where he was last playing for Concord before he went to, I think, Dagenham. Uh, he got a double and then Regan Booty and Christy Patterson with the other one. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the, the result you'd expect. Hemel are no slouches, but um, Maidstone at home is a difficult proposition. Um, I'm not sure how many supporters were there, but I'd be surprised if it was, you know, many less than a thousand. I uh, I saw Maidstone at, at, at Easter at the other week in a friendly last week, in fact, and they had Alfie Pavey up front. They, they did look very good. The big thing for them is like, you're not really sure who's in charge. Like Hakan Hiretan wasn't there. John Still was in the stand. They had 
three or four pe- different people coaching. It seems to be somebody different every week who's coaching or facing the interview. And I don't know if they've got that continuity or not yet. Yeah, um, I think it's... I've not seen them under the, the dual sort of system yet, so I, I haven't seen it live in the flesh to, to really be able to talk about that. Um, Looking at one or two of the other results, um, Tom, you felt strongly that Braintree, who really struggled the last couple of seasons, might do a little bit better this season. Uh, and, and and they were probably sort of backed you up on that with a decent one-all draw against an Oxford City side for whom good things are expected this season. Yeah, I mean, so interesting. I actually think Oxford are potentially slightly weaker than last season. Now, this isn't to say that the players they've brought in aren't good. They've, they've signed some really good players. I actually really rate Zico Asari, um, who I watched quite a bit when he was Fulham under-18s captain. But you, Joe Osler and, and James Roberts are very difficult to replace at this level. Uh, both very good players. Um, whereas, actually, I think Braintree, are, they, look a, they look a better outfit this season. They've had such player turnover over the last two seasons. They've used something like 75, 80 players across the last two seasons. Um, but this year, I think they've got the core of a good 11. Um, bringing in the likes of Luke Pennell, Femi Akinwandi. Um, I think they've kept uh, Corey Davidson, who's a decent player. I like him. Got a lot of time for their right back, Ezra Ikebuasi, uh, who was at Sutton United's Academy. Uh, he's a very, uh, very powerful runner from right back. I think he could do damage against the and actually, I think they're the bottom half. I don't think we can expect like a hunger for last season from Braintree, you know, very unfancy to push on to the playoffs. But um, I, I think they should be relatively comfortably safe. Yeah, so that one ended one all, as did Dulwich, Hamlet and Chippenham. Um, two sides that we haven't tipped particularly to be uh, around the, the, the top end. Chippenham, one or two. They always seem to be favourites, Tom, but people pick them to be in trouble, but they, they quite often do better than that, don't they? Yeah, they're a tough nut to crack, Chet Chippenham. Um, very difficult place to go. I don't think many teams will be getting three points on the road down there. Um, but again, they, they've hemorrhaged some good players. Um, Eddie Jones has gone back to Bath. Brad Ash was a very important player from the last season. He was probably one of the best players I saw. Um, and he put in one of the best 90 minutes I saw last season. He's off to Weymouth, but I think he'll do pretty well, actually. Um, so they'll be there or thereabouts in the relegation spots, in my opinion. Um, Dulwich, stronger. Um, they've made some very good signings. Jack Holland from Bromley. Um, and I understand that, you know, Bromley were keen to keep him, to be honest. I think that's a very good signing at step two. Uh, but so is Darren McQueen as well. You can absolutely guarantee good stuff from Gar- uh, Darren McQueen. Um, he will, you know, he'll get 15 goals, I think. Martin Ring Queen with Danny Mills, who has he's flattered to deceive, hasn't he? For a while, I used to talk, talk about him being non-league Welbeck. You know, very, very good outside the 18-yard box, but sometimes struggles with the finishing. But actually, last season, I think he sort of put that behind him. He was um, a pretty dangerous player at step three last season, and um, I expect the same this year. And just quickly, Tom, uh, you think Bath will do okay this season? Good start for them, three 0 win over Billericay. So, yeah, I mean, I think Bath will do well. Um, I think I predicted them for the playoffs and I, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, again, they get a good home backing. We're used to a very defensively resolute Bath. Ever, everyone forward from uh, Ryan Clark is very solid and dependable. But we also used to Bath struggling to actually score. And I think that's this is the season that changes. They've done some brilliant, brilliant business on the incoming front. Um 
They signed Alex Fletcher at the back end of last season. Alex Fletcher is arguably going to be the most talented front man in the division. Um, he made serious waves coming through the academy at Plymouth Argyle. How he didn't actually play more first team minutes, not really sure. Um, but then they've also brought in Cody Cook, who is still an effective uh, National League South goal scorer. It might not have worked out from a Weymouth, but he did well in the Scottish Prem with St Mirren. Um, and uh, they've also brought in Mo Torre on loan from Salford. All three of those scored the goals yesterday. Mo Torre, obviously, we, we know him well. He will be very effective. But probably the most crucial bit of business is they've really got two players supplying that. Tom Smith, speak to Bath fans through pre-season. He is back to his best. The sort of form that saw him named the National League South player a season two years ago. Um, and Elliot Freer as well. They brought him in from the Scottish Prem. That is a hell of a signing at National League South. Um, and he will be, you know, I think he will look very good. Tom, how much of a loss do you think Donovan Wilson will be? Because obviously, Bath were expecting to kind of get him back when he first let him go to Sutton, but he's done that well, Sutton are now signing permanently, haven't they? Yeah, and I think he scored the other day, didn't he, against Cardiff mm. um, in, the Car- in the Carabao Cup or whatever it's called now. Um, so, yeah, fair play to him. He really took his chance at Sutton, didn't he? And I know we talked about it on the podcast, but I didn't really see him do it for Bath. Um, I don't know, maybe he just didn't suit the style that well. I think he had a few games out injured. Um, but actually, I think they'd found a way to cope with him, cope without him last season anyway. Um, I think there, there are certainly players you could take out of their team that they'd miss more. So just looking at the bottom end then, before we move on, who are we writing off between us? Well, interestingly, well, we've all got Welling in our bottom five. Sorry, Welling fans listening in. Um, only one gone for Hungerford this year. That's pretty based on their improved showing from last year. But uh, Luke, you, Chris and Dickie have all suggested that Concord will fall into that bottom four. Now, traditionally, of course, they didn't. But big, big changes at Concord. The chairman's gone. Uh, the manager's gone. And what did they do? They beat, uh, beat Dorkin on the first day of the season. Um, what do you what do you make of the goings on at um, at Concord, Tom? Uh, it's, it's you know you, you've you've summed it up really really neatly there. I think it's just it's going to be a transitional season for them. Um, they obviously had that fantastic run in the FA Trophy last year, uh, and it's always the possibility that that can sort of maybe uh, raise expectations. But I hope it doesn't because actually Concord will naturally on the basis of the size of the club and and the, the stature of, you know, maybe the budget as well, they're going to be towards the bottom end of the table, probably. Um, they find it slightly more difficult to recruit. They've made a few astute signings. I think Billy Billy Cracknell coming in on loan from Colchester. He's a very dependable centre-back. He got first team minutes for Colchester last season. Um, but then some of the other signings are maybe, they're those sort of signings that they've done all right at step three and step four. Maybe one of one of three or four of them will have a great season and will stand out. But you're always going to have, you know, you've got to kiss a lot of toads before you find a princess. Uh, <laughs> if that's not just a horrible analogy, I've, I've kissed uh, a few of them. Don't worry on a night out. <laughs> you never turn into a princess, believe you me. <laughs> um, but hey, it's a great great first result. Um, we're out there. I think two Saturdays. So I'll know more about what I think of their team then. Um, but I, do, I think it's going to be bottom end of the table for, for Concord. As people know, our predictions are rubbish. The so Concord will probably win the league now. 
Well, this is true. <laughs> didn't we? I think we all predicted Hungerford down the bottom end last season, and they were they were brilliant. So, um, yeah, and uh, a subject to much discussion outside of this recording in our WhatsApp group. Uh, a number of us feel that it could be a difficult second season for for Tunbridge Angels. Um, uh, a couple of the boys haven't gone for them, but uh, Tom, you and I think they'll be in the bottom four. Um, what, what? How would you sort of back that up? Some rationale for that? I just don't think they've got enough in the squad. Um, it's that you know Steve McKim's a good manager. I've got a lot of time for him and, and the way he, he sets a team up. I still remember the Tunbridge side that he got promoted, and that was out of the blue. No one expected that anyway. Um, I just don't think they've got enough. It, I don't think they've got enough quality in the first team or depth in the squad. I think it could be a long season for them. And that's that's the same reason why I think Wellington will be down there as well. COVID hit them hardest, I think, didn't it, in terms of the financial side of things, didn't it? They were the first one to kind of, I don't want it to sound bad, but plead poverty as if to say, look, we, we will struggle to survive without the sort of funding and things like that. And like you say, Stephen King can only pull rabbits out of the hat for so long. Another team finally that you think will struggle, Tom, is, is Bill Ricky, despite them having Kevin Watson as manager. Um, yeah, and I've, I've got a lot of time for Kevin Watson, actually. I think he's, um, you know, he's steadied the ship well last season. Uh, again, a couple of those signings they've made uh, are, are very good. I saw this week that they've signed Curtis Cumberbatch um, from Dover. He's a, a very tidy midfielder. He will, he will move the ball up the pitch well for them. Luke Warner-Ely was a reasonably prominent figure at St Albans City in the good season they had last year. Um, and Charlie Lee from Yeovil. That's a really interesting signing. Um, you know, he's moved back home. He's potentially at the tail. Well, he's not potentially. He definitely is at the tail end of his career and what a career he's had. But um, you know, he's still got the quality to play at this level. Absolutely. Uh, and if they can find a bit of rhythm in Norman Weibo, Rowan Lieber, Josh Hutchinson, they've still got the players that can score goals. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure that. When I look at some of the other lineups in sort of what, what I'm expecting to be mid-table, you know, thinking of the likes of St Alban City, Hungerford Town, there's some pretty strong squads out there. Hemel, you know, we haven't really talked about them, but they've got a pretty strong squad. Mid-table is going to be a hard place to be this season, and I just think Billericay might struggle to be there. We're going to look next at how the National League North went. I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids. I still want to look after them. I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us, isn't it? Yes, (laughs) Mum. Lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. So joining me now to look over the National League North, it is... Oh, a friend of the podcast, Tom Feeney. Hi, Tom. Hello, how are we doing? Very well, thank you. And uh, we'll start off with the most entertaining game in the National League North. It's a, it was your team, guys, and they took on AFC Fylde, who are one of the fi- favourites. We'll find out from Rob who predicted them to win the league shortly. But yeah, you were at that game. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting game. And I think it was a game that really showed the quality that Fylde have. First half, actually quite even for the first 20 minutes, but filed kind of in the second half, were able to just completely dominate pretty much the entire second half. And Ben Tollett, I mean, Nick Orton and Ben Tollett as a duo, they have goals in them. And, you know, both got two each yesterday. 
fantastic performance by both of them. And again, you you know, they're one of the favourites for a reason. I know, you know, some fine gentlemen on the podcast have obviously had their say on it and have predicted them for it. And I think, you know, when you look at the quality that they've got up front and the, you know, the players that they've got at the back as well, you know, players that, you know, net, Neil in net. I mean, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. They really have got a fantastic chance of doing something this season. And they, you know, speaking to Jim Bentley afterwards, promotion really is their own. Do you think the only way that they can be beaten is if they beat themselves in a way? Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for me, the, the quality that they have in that final third, with 10 minutes to go, they brought in Stephen Dobby and you, you're looking at him and thinking a player who has been there and done it at the highest of levels, you know, in the Premier League. I mean, that's some depth, isn't it? To be able to say, right, Samson, you're coming off. Stephen Dobby, you're coming on. I mean, it, it was a bit daunting, really. But, you know, again, Tollett and Horton were absolutely brilliant. They've got players like Osborne as well, you know, just there as well. And he'll, you know, he'll be a key player in the National League north of Fylde. So I think they are, you know, rightly so, one of the favourites for promotion. Yeah, someone else who'd be up there at the top and have made some good signs over the summer of York. But again, they disappointed on the opening day of the season, beaten at home by Kidderminster. A lot of people may well think could be a playoff shout this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting one that, you know, a few York fans have obviously pointed out that they weren't able to attend the game because they had this limited capacity for a couple of reasons. And Steve Watson made this big point that they really wanted a positive start. They, because last season, the way it was, they said that this was their first home game in the, you know, the right and proper way, ignoring that filed result because of the season going the way it did. And I think there was a lot of optimism for it. And with 10 minutes to go, it looked like York might be able to do something. But again, with Kidderminster, they've got a young manager in Russell Penn who at this, I suppose at this level, but, you know, in the game, he's been there and done it in his role. And They've been able to get some really good experienced players in, you know, the likes of Nile Bell, Lewis Montrose. They've got a, you know, they've got a really good setup there. And obviously the full time as well. So they will be a team that will certainly be going for one of them top seven places. And going to York City, gaining the win, you know, that can only do them good. Looking at the top end of the National League North, there's no doubt that we feel AFC Fylde will be heavily involved. Chris and Dickey and myself have predicted filed to go on and win it this year, whereas uh, Luke and Tom have both gone for York. Interestingly, we've all got Boston United as well, finishing in the top three, but we just none of us have actually plumped for them to go on and do it. Yeah, we'll find out from the playoffs in a minute from Rob who, who we've all tipped, but two teams who are tipped to do very well and extremely well are Boston United and Spennymore. And you look at some of the signings, Boston have made over the summer. Everyone is tipping them to do really well. However, they didn't start off quite as well, did they, on Saturday against Benny Moore? No, but I think, you know, you know, for me, this was clearly the game of the weekend because, you know, you look at the quality within both sides and, you know, Boston get that penalty really light on. You think they score that, Danny only gets it. You think, well, you know, they'll take that as a decent point, but fair play to Benny Moore, that resilience to have that disappointment to fall be well, to fall level again after taking the lead and to, you know, a few minutes to go to keep on going and get that win. I think, you know, it's something when they've got... The, the thing with Spenny Moore is when you've got a player like Glenn Taylor in your team and the goals that he 
absolutely 100% guarantees you're always going to be within, you know, a shout of getting a win. And, you know, obviously got that first goal and despite Boston equalising, they're able to get a second through McLean. So, you know, it's a massive result for Spennymore to go there. Boston, again, a team with a new ground, plenty of optimism there. And rightly so, may I add, with the squad that Boston have got. So, for Spennymore, that's a massive win. Yeah, two teams who were hoped to be in the playoff conversation and were last year. Certainly Gloucester were at the top last year and it's something that Alex Petherin was very outspoken about the chairman there at Gloucester about wanting to finish the season. They started off the season, Gloucester with a 2-2 draw at Southport while Brackley had a good win at Charlie. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at Brackley, I think that's a massive win for them because with Charlie, that thing of that FA Cup money, what would they do with it? You know, they've been able to keep some of the big players from last season. They've been able to add a few as well. And I think with Charlie, they will continue to add a couple as well with that finance that they've got. So for Brackley, because, you know, they've lost a few players, Brackley, and there were, you know, a couple of question marks about it. But again, they've got a manager in Kevin Wilkin who just, he knows this league, he knows how to get Brackley into them top places. And, you know, for Gloucester, I think this will be seen as a good point for them. And Matt McClure immediately getting a goal is, you know, can only be a good thing for them. Again, with a couple of trialists that they've had, and, you know, they've had a couple of big names on trial as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them. But again, you look at Southport, Liam Watson, you know, he knows this league absolutely inside out. And they've been able to, in my opinion, sign the best keeper in the league in Cam Mason. So I think, you know, it'll be a very interesting tell for the next couple of weeks to see who gets that momentum. I think under uh, Jono and that, Chester probably like to be in the equation again. We all think they'll be in the uh, playoff positions. And uh, one or two uh, think that Spennymore might have a good season too, of course, with the goals of Glenn Taylor. Blyde Spartans, many people's tips to go down. We'll hear from Rob in a minute who, who people think... Uh, are going to go down. But they started off strongly with an Alfreton side who I think personally could struggle this year. When you look at Alfreton, you know, they're, they're a team where, with that forward line of Matt Reed and Dale Southwell, they've got goals in them, you know, and I think the questions might be in the back line and what can happen there. But again, they've got a manager in Billy Heath. I think you find this with a lot of the league. They've got managers that know how to get success in this league. And it you know, to me, the National League North is going to be such a competitive division this season. In terms of who goes down, I, th- I really do think at the moment it is anyone's guess. You mentioned that, though, but there's so many strong teams with strong managers. Not everybody can be up there, can they? Even though you have got managers with lots of experience, you've done well in the division. Yeah, and I think that's what makes this league so interesting this season is, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams have been... You know, even the ones that last season, season before, have maybe struggled a little bit. Obviously, they've been able to gain some experience from that and they've been able to recruit accordingly. So I think, you, you know, it is that thing of as long as you've got a decent back line, pretty much every team in this division has a goal scorer, if not a couple. So, I mean, you know, in terms of picking the who's going to be going down, I really do think right now it is it is going to be really tough because there are so many teams that, you know, have strengthened and strengthened accordingly in what would last season have been maybe a bit of a negative. They've been able to take that and use it as a bit of a positive. Well, one name that appears in all our predictions to be in that bottom four is Bradford Park Avenue. Not everybody's gone for Blythe Spartans this year. 
a few mentions for Curzon Ashton uh, and one or two think Kettering might struggle as well. Yeah, speaking of Curzon Ashton, uh, I caught up with their manager, Steve Cunningham, during pre-season as well. And here's what he had to say. It's been good, mate. We've had, um, obviously, an influx of new players. Uh, We're looking to build and learn on last season. Obviously, my first season at that level. Um, And, yeah, we've had a lot of players, um, obviously, leave the club uh, for different reasons. Obviously, decisions I've probably made, um, knowing what we learned from last year. So... The players that we brought in, we're trying to go a little bit of a different way. And in patches of pre-season, we're seeing some really good stuff that we're happy with. What what have you learned as a manager? Obviously, you were at Colne previously, two divisions below. What did you learn managing in a conference north last year? Oh, there's a massive gulf. Um, maybe a, a bigger gulf than I expected in terms of the players that you think might be able to step up as well. Because obviously, the resources we have at Curzon, they don't necessarily give me the best opportunity to go and get the best players. You've got to find little gems, and you know, like Dave does here, you, you've got to find them gems. And I think I went for some players that I thought were very good in the NPL North. Unfortunately, they got swallowed up, and that's where you know the league does hit you. It's quick, it's physical. Um, there's no let up whatsoever. Um, every game's a tough game. Um, but definitely, we you know we held our own and we've, we've learned a lot from last year and we're hoping to, to go and build on that this year. Yeah, like you say, a big turnaround in the squad and stuff um, going forward with them for this season. What, what are your aims? Because there's some clubs spending big money in that division, isn't there? There is. I wish I was one of them. <laughs> no, it's a, listen, it's a massive league. I think you've only got to look at the names on the, the, the league table, but that's why I've, I want to test myself at that level. And um, yeah, I think the main aim is for us to, to try and break some records this year, records that have been held at the club for this level of football. Uh, can we hide, find the, the biggest league position? Can we score more goals than they've scored at this level? Conceded goals? But yeah, we just want to break some uh, internal records and just build on last year and start building, obviously, the club to be, rather than a team that's trying to stay in the league, a team that can build on its momentum and, and just gradually keep going up and up and up. Yeah, it has been a team that's been solidly in the National League now for, I think, three or four seasons now. So you are, in, in that sense, like quite solid, aren't you? But like you say, you want to push on to maybe towards the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the last uh, two, three months, managers before myself you know they've, they've been in the league they've stayed in the league again on the same resources limited to what's in the league um, and that's where you look at the league positions um, I think they finished 11th uh, the first year with John Flanagan and then in recent years last four years by 18 so it's always a team where they've been slightly struggling um, but again not through um, bad management or bad team it's just the league that they're in and the resources they're up against and, and that's what we just want to try and change that trend. Three games were called off because of the dreaded COVID. The other final two games we're going to look at was 1-0 in both games. One for the away side, one for the home side. Farsley won 1-0 at Hereford despite going down to 10 men. And Kettering beat Bradford Park Avenue in, in a battle of what some people think may be two teams down near the bottom. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one because obviously Paul Cox has said that, he, you know, with, with Kettering, he, he feels the team are still lacking two or three experienced bodies in that squad and for them it was a really good win Bradford Park Avenue they were able to announce Akil Francis he was at Falkirk last season you know a couple of hours before kickoff so I think for Park Avenue they're probably looking at one or two as well and you know for Farsley that's a massive win going to Hereford the circumstance of it Luke Parkin getting the goal conceding a penalty having that penalty saved and getting that big three points for them you know I know Adam Lakeland, you know, that again, they've been able to add a really experienced head and a bit of an eye-catching signing in James Hansen. So 
for them, that'll be a, a massive win and something they'll be looking to build up on. Yeah, James Hansen, I think it was he from Geisley many years ago and then moved to Bradford City and he had so much success there. So for someone like Fardley to get him is a, is a massive coup, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, at Geisley, he was fantastic. He really was a standout player and kind of one of those where you were always thinking which league club would go for him. Obviously, he worked, I think it's it's one of those, it's like Yorkshire folklore that he worked at the co-op nearby and then he got that move to Bradford City and, you know, how many years of success did he have there? He then, you know, he was at Sheffield United, game promotion and last season were at Grimsby you know, in fairness to him, there were National League clubs looking at him and he's gone to Farsley Celtic. I mean, you know, for Farsley, it's an absolutely massive signing and kind of one of those signings that really catches attention. So throughout the season, he'll certainly make an impact. Brilliant. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us. No worries at all, mate. We're also having a punt at who we think will be the top scorers in the uh, National League North and South divisions. Uh, in the north, uh, Tom and Rob going for Glenn Taylor, Luke going for Mark Beck, uh, Dickie for Kurt Willoughby at York, and uh, Chris for Jordan Holm at AFC File. In the National League South, Jason Pryor features heavily on our goal scoring, uh, top goal scorer predictions, with uh, Chris, Dickie, and Rob all going for Jason Pryor. Luke thinks Alfie Pavey might come up trumps. And we've already heard what Tom has to say about Alex Fletcher. So the National League starts this coming weekend. It's been the start a week later than everyone else because they had a late finish to the season, of course. Um, it was an exciting season. Last season, we, we welcomed back Grimsby. I mean, I'm sure they won't want to be welcomed back, but they are back after uh, an absence. Southend are there for the first time in their history. And it's going to be a really interesting season, isn't it, Rob? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the league that keeps on giving year in, year out. Um, in terms of how we kind of take a look at this, I think one way to attack it is to split it into four categories. Of course, we've got 23 teams, not 24. But based on the NL full-time podcast team's predictions, uh, we've grouped together six possible title contenders. Six we think will feature in the run for the playoffs. Uh, six that may be in danger of uh, those three relegation positions and five others that we therefore deem should finish uh, in mid or lower mid table. So on to the title contenders then. Well, just to mention them all briefly, Stockport, Wrexham and Chesterfield almost grouped together. Heavy, heavy investment, having a real tilt at the title this season. Not county by nature of the size of club they are, the finish to last season. Uh, Torquay United, they earned that right to be in that category as well because they did finish second last year. And Bromley, who did very, very well under two different managers last year and made it to the playoffs. Um, so that's the six we're going to take a little look at. Uh, let's start with Stockport because Chris Pratt, who's heavily involved, of course, with uh, reporting... Uh, at Edgley Park for the non-league paper and myself have both gone for Stockport County um, and, and so Chris isn't with us so I'm just going to start the sheer quality of the squad they have uh, the signings that they've made um, you know really really eye-catching I think they can deliver at both ends of the pitch 
I'm particularly picking them because they've clearly got goals in them and they had the most clean sheets last season. Have no reason to suggest while they're keeping teams busy at the other end that they won't uh, have the most clean sheets this season as well. The one slight doubt and question mark I've got with Stockport is I'm not completely and utterly convinced by the manager yet. And that's only because it's relatively early days. He certainly... uh, got them uh, on, on a decent run of unbeaten games towards the end of last season. They didn't quite deliver in one or two of the big games when the expectation was there. And that's something that he'll need to address. But uh, but that's Stockport County. Anything, uh, anything that, uh, Luke, you or Tom want to add about Stockport? The other thing I'd say is, like obviously, the expectation is on Stockport and Wrexham. It's how they can handle it. Certainly from the home crowds, the expectation will be there. If you're expected to win... Most weeks, won't they? You look at who Stockport have signed, you look at who Wrexham have signed. Um, and it doesn't always work out that way, does it? You know, the teams who spend a lot aren't, don't automatically go up. Sometimes it does, but in the past few seasons, it's proves not to be the case. And that's an interesting point. I can't remember if it was, I think it might have been Adam Virgo, it might have been uh, Matt Badcock made the point in the NLP today that actually what set Sutton apart last year was when the pressure was on, they coped. Um, all the other challenges had iffy patches of form when it counted most, Hartlepool, Torquay, Stockport. Um, and that expectation can do funny things to people, can't it? Yeah, it certainly can. I mean, we we have what we have here. And that's why all logic in my head leads towards Stockport. But I'm not saying they're going to run away with it. It's going to be a long, difficult season. And they're going to be like some of those teams we've already mentioned, teams cup finals when they go up to, you know, the great, ground that Edgley Park is it's just uh, I think more things point to them than to anybody else for me I don't necessarily think um, that Simon Russ can lay claim to being the best manager in the league I personally think I suspect that that is James Rowe at Chesterfield but when I look at Chesterfield's squad for all the wheeling and dealing that James Rowe has done it's a good squad but do I look at it and see a title winning squad I'm not so sure. I see a title-winning front line. (laughs) No question about that. He's uh, signed incredibly well. And he's not frightened to bring players in and then move them on if he gets someone better, is he? No, I mean, a big one, obviously, is is the move that happened over the past week. He went to Bournemouth and just plucked Kabongo Shimanga from there. I don't think anyone saw that coming, did they? No, that was massive. That's the signing of the season, given the timing of it. And I think it's probably affected, and we'll come to it in kind of the next batch of teams, but I think it's probably affected how we how we see Boreham Woods' chances this season because you were almost guaranteed 20 goals a season from Kabongo Shimanga. Would you agree, Tom? I would, yeah. And I think um, I think you're right uh, about that impact on Boreham Woods' chances this season. Um, the only caveats I have with Chesterfield, now I, I think Chesterfield will be very solid defensively. I think James Rowe absolutely knows how to set up a team not to lose games. You know, they were top drawer at grinding out those one nils last season, weren't they? Um, my only concern with Chesterfield is how do you keep all these players happy? You know, Luke is spot on. He is happy to move people on. We've seen that with Cairo Mitchell. But just looking at that front line, Asante Mandeville, Tyson Benton, Rose Shimanga. How do you give those people the game time to keep them happy? Um, strikers play off confidence, they play off form. How do you work that? You know, they, there's some very different strikers in there as well. How do you set up a system that's going to get the best out of a Danny Rowe to be the same system to get the best out of a Kabongo Shimanga 
to be a scientist and to get a best out of Fabio Santi. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it. I think he's a good manager. That's the question mark I have with Chesterfield. It's almost an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? Let's come to you then, Tom. You've gone for Notts County. Now, I think, yeah, we've all got them predicted to finish in the top seven, but you've picked them out. So just give us your rationale as what that's based on. Um, if I'm completely honest, it's based on Callum Roberts. I love him. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's got the potential to be the best player in the division. Um, but I also, I like some of their other signings. Um, they've gone to Torquay and taken one of their best players in Carl Cameron. Uh, Frank Vincent was a very good loan signing last season um, at National League level and he is coming from Bournemouth on a permanent. Uh, Matt Palmer as well, that's a very good bit of business. And Joel Taylor is a pretty is, is a good asset on the flank as well. Um, I think they've signed well. I think they had a very strong squad last season anyway. I think the one player they wouldn't have wanted to lose is probably Boldervine. Um, and that's where the question mark for Notts County for me is. Chesterfield have an embarrassment of riches up front. Notts County probably need to get more from their two leading strikers in terms of uh, Carl Woodson and Elijah Sam. And it remains to be seen whether Cairo Mitchell is maybe quite good enough to, to add those extra goals. But he certainly showed a, a good good bit of form at Ch- uh, uh, Kings Lynn and Chesterfield last season. So yeah. I just, I think, I think County have got good strength and depth. They've got a powerful squad. Um, and I think that could be enough to get them over the line in this division. And just one little footnote on Notts County. I don't think you mentioned him, but uh, they've signed Torquay United's captain. Three years the captain at Playmore, Carl Cameron. Uh, he'll be a rock at the back and he gets forward and gets you five or six key goals throughout the season as well. Um, and just a final note on Cairo Mitchell. I'm pretty sure he was given a two or a three-year contract when he left Kings Lynn to go to Chesterfield. And it just goes to show, when we talk about this wheeling and dealing, even players on two or three-year contracts, if you put the right message in their ear and in their agency ear that I'm not sure you're going to figure in my plans now, you might want to move along, um, you know, it, it can be done. Um, and uh, I, I just don't think James Rowe has any boundaries of what he'll do to try and get success at Chesterfield. And that's why they absolutely have to be up there. Um, expectation is going to be high. I know uh, Cal Cameron as well said it was a big honour that Ian Birchnell named him captain. And talking of Ian Birchnell, Dickie, Dickie Wharton caught up with Ian Birchnell during pre-season. Obviously, he had a few games at, at, at the end of last season um, and the playoffs. But um, how useful has it been to actually have the, the pre-season here? Because obviously, you didn't get back when you came in. No, I had the, the first kind of, I would say, eight or nine games. I barely had a training session. We, we got some in, you know, as, as we went on and, and we saw improvements with that. But again, with a lot of new players coming in, it's important to get that time on the training pitch with them massively. Yeah. Sure. Um, obviously, County's a, a big club and, and the expectations around that one and, and having to balance that out. Uh, I get the feeling that County fans probably see the Football League as being their rightful place in the history and that, that brings a pressure, doesn't it? Yeah, it, I guess it is the rightful place for the club. I think if you see the club, the stadium, the fans, it, it, that's where it should be. Uh, but it's not there as a result of many different things. Um, and it's my job to try to piece it together so that we can find our way out. It's a very tough league with a lot of competitive clubs aiming for the same thing. So it's a big challenge, but you know that's ultimately our focus. I think that, that playoff game against Chesterfield where fans were allowed back in, 
gave you a sense of what it can be like at County with the, with the fans in and, and the atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was the Weymouth game back in the last season, and then of course the, the Chesterfield game where we had the fans in, and you really it, it was such a difference for us to play with our fans there. So it's fantastic to have them, even today, to have them around is uh, first class, and, and hopefully that gives us a big boost. Now, some of your signings you made so far, Ed, the likes of Ed Francis coming in, Joel Taylor, Matt Palmer, some younger faces. Is that sort of like a does that give County fans a bit of a sense of what your identity is going to be this season? Yeah, I think they know what I'm about from the, the probably the back um, the back end of the season. The, the last like eight nine games, I think we played some fantastic football and, and were positive attacking, moved the ball on the floor, um, and I've strengthened with young players that are ambitious that hopefully want to join the ambitions of the club. Sure, and you've kept Michael Doyle on as your assistant manager, yeah. so obviously he's got his qualities weren't something that you wanted to lose. No, not at all. I mean, he was a fantastic player last season and he still can contribute on the pitch, but I also saw his value as contributing off the pitch and fantastic man, uh, great respect from all of the player group and, and a great addition to the backroom staff. No, no you've had um, Kyle Bennett's on trial here today. He's a, a Telford lad local to you. How, yeah. how many sort of spots do you think are still up for grabs in your squad at this point? That depends on what we feel we need and what we feel complements the squad. I mean, we're open to players that can enhance the squad, so anybody that can do that, you know, is worth discussing. Okay, and I won't try to draw you on expectations because obviously that's what everybody fans are looking yeah. for at this point of the season. But what would your message be to the to the county fans essentially? Yeah, I mean, the, the same as when I came in that we want to play positive, attacking, you know, brave football. And, um, you know, hopefully, of course, that's with a view to getting the results that can get us out of the league. We, we want that, and, but we want to be very clear with the, the way in which we play as well and, and form a, if you like, a Notts County identity, uh, which I feel we, we need for a long-term vision. Now, Luke, I think you've stuck your neck on the block more than anybody. You've come up with a name that w- the rest of us perhaps didn't uh, for, for the title, although a few of us have got them in our, in our finishing positions in the playoffs. But you've gone for Bromley. To win the league outright, tell us why. Because I think everyone will be looking at Stockport, Wrexham, Chesterfield, Notts County, as they've done in previous season. And you've got your teams like your Barrow, your Macclesfield, your Sutton, you've just quietly gone about it. Before they've had time to realise that that team is actually going to maybe be a serious candidate and stay up there, then those teams all of a sudden panic, can't catch them up. And maybe predicting an underdog will make one of Stockport, Wrexham, Chesterfield, Notts County win the division this year because we always seem to predict a big team to win the league and it, and it's it's not happened, has it, the last few years for us? So, And Bromley have been pretty consistent. They've still got a pretty settled side. They've got Michael Cheek still there as well, which is a big thing for them. Uh, I think I predicted him to be top scorer as well in the division. If that's the case, then that's why I think Bromley may well get a sniff. And of course, they've got the uh, the 3G pitch there. And don't forget, they've directly, directly weakened one of their rivals by taking Joe Partington from Eastley as well. I think that's a really, really good signing. Um, yeah, I, I like Bromley as well, mate. I think um, I firmly go for them as a playoff pick. And then Dickie, he's picked uh, Wrexham to do it, um, obviously with the, with the great backing that they've got. Let's look at the business that they've done. Let's have a little chat with you boys about that. Um, I think I'm up to date. Six players bought back, uh, bought in. Liam McAlinden uh, from uh, Morecambe, 27-year-old ex-Mac and uh, Notts County. Sean Brisley, um, 31 years old now, but highly respected central defender. Jake Hyde. Talk about, you know, automatically weakening one of your potential playoff rivals. Uh, Jake Hyde from, from Halifax is a good signing. 
the one that has really caught the eye, though, of course, is Paul Mullin, the League Two's top goal scorer and player of the season last year uh, on a three-year contract uh, coming in from Cambridge. Um, and, and there's going to be a lot of expectation on him, Tom, but there's no doubt in his quality, is there? No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, that guy, obviously, he could have played League One with Cambridge anyway, but he must have had other League One offers. He's not... He's With the best one in the world, we see strikers step down from the Football League to play National League. You know, you think of maybe the Adam Rooney type. He's done it. Um, Paddy Madden. Paul Mullen's 26. This isn't a 31, 32-year-old who's coming down to play non-league football because people are offering him money or he thinks he can, you know, he's going to come down and enjoy football at a level that he can play at well. This is a guy at the top of his game who's just top scored in League Two. And he's, I've got to say, I think he's moving for a project. Um, There will be other people who could offer him the money he's clearly going to be on at Wrexham. I think he's, it's a project. um, And I can see why that would be very attractive to a player. Uh, Yeah. You're right, though. He has to score. Yeah, he he wants to win things for sure. And with the greatest respect, it was an excellent achievement for Cambridge United after consolidating in League Two for Mm. what must be the best part of 10 years now off the top of my head to actually finally haul their way to League One. And uh, um, it's reasonable to think that Paul Mullin might have felt it was the right time for a move. I, I believe he wanted to move. I believe he wanted to move back north as well, which kind of probably helped the decision and brought him to Wrexham's attention. So as a scouser, I believe that he'd already told Cambridge he did want to move on. But yeah, as I say, there's certainly probably football league clubs in uh, in contention to sign him. But Wrexham have offered him the money that he wants. He feels as though he's close to home. And, and, and like Tom said, it's probably a project he, he'll want to get another promotion on his CV. Yeah, he'll be he'll be looking to try and get at least one, if not a couple of promotions uh, in the three-year contract that uh, they've given him. Uh, they've also signed Harry Lennon, a defender from Southend. And another one that was quite eye-catching as well, Aaron Hayden uh, from Carlisle United. Another three-year deal, and Another, you know, 24 years old and the vice captain at Carlisle in the Football League and he's dropped down to Wrexham. So with the signings they have made, clearly they uh, mean business, don't they? And uh, and Dickie thinks they might go all the way. Wrexham, of course, we reel out the stat every year, but the longest serving club in the National League. One other point we've got to make about Wrexham is the feel-good factor around the club, which counts. We're talking about fans being back. We're talking about the impact that has. Wrexham have had to stop season ticket sales because they've had 5,000 season ticket sales and they still have to keep some some tickets back for people who actually want to pay on the door. Otherwise, the revenue is quite reduced. So that is huge. I I can't think of any National League club that I'm aware of who've had to stop season ticket sales because they've gone too high. Wow, that's incredible. So uh, that's... Just about covers uh, our title uh, predictions between the five of us. One other team we have to pay the respect of mentioning in the uh, challenge for the title this coming season is Gary Johnson's Torquay. Uh, They have lost some key players, Tom, haven't they? But uh, we mention it so often. Gary Johnson's a wily old fox. He knows knows what he's doing and... uh, He's getting a tune still out of Danny Wright at 36. Well, would you believe it? This season, he's reunited him with his old strike partner, Dan Holman, who's been playing a good couple of levels down. Uh, He's got a contract there. So, uh, obviously, Gary Johnson thinks Dan Holman can still do it. 
Gary Johnson, he he has a certain certain players who fit his style, who know his tactics, who know his methods, and he he has time and time again used them repeatedly, and and that's absolutely been a good model for him. It doesn't, and they had them together at Cheltenham when he got promoted. You just wonder if Dan Holman's time has been and gone. Uh, also, Danny Wright's not getting any younger, and and these things catch up with you in terms of injuries as well. You know, we pick up little nigglies, niggly injuries, and I think I've said it. On the podcast to you, I think whoever didn't go up out of T- Torquay and Sutton, that was their best chance to do it last year. It, Torquay didn't do it in the end. And that's why I, I don't think I've committed him to getting the playoffs, have I? No, you haven't. And uh, not too many have of us, to be honest. But I just didn't think it was fair to have a total discussion without the team that finished second last season. Obviously, big losses for them with the goalkeeper, uh, Kevin Covalan uh, and... Uh, and, and Cameron, who's gone up to Notts County, as we mentioned, Ben Whitfield to Stockport, someone we had, we didn't mention in the in the kind of Stockport signings. But I mean, that guy, a third of the way through last season, was a third of the way to being the National League Player of the Season, wasn't he? With he had his own goal of the season competition. As you say, I think they've they've lost they've lost so much quality, haven't they? Um, and some of the players they've brought in. I mean, I like the look of Tom Lapsley, uh, Clady Lolos has got potential, but you know. We've got a mixture of veteran players who Johnson knows and knows what will get out of them and young potential that he's banking on coming good. Um, if it works, it could work spectacularly. If it doesn't, it could require a January rethink. So that's six clubs that we feel between us and, and, and in terms of their achievements last year, we feel should be in that discussion. Uh, a few others who might feel a bit peeved, they're not in that discussion, but certainly should um, be considerations for finishing in playoff positions. So we go with the two very big clubs that have come down to the National League from the Football League, Grimsby and Southend. Dagenham, who improved strongly towards the end of last season. Halifax, who keep on proving people wrong. Eastley, who do very similar under Ben Strevens. And Borehamwood, of course, um, who under Luke Garrard have often featured in the playoff race. But now they'll have to do so with that man, Kabongo Shimanga. All right, let's look at those two big, big clubs that have come down from the Football League. The biggest thing that surprised me about Grimsby and Southend so far is, A, how many of the players they've kept that were relegated last season, uh, and B, just how big their squads are going to be uh, in the National League. Uh, let's start with, uh, with Southend United. Um, starting with Southend, then they they've kept, or they certainly originally kept, nineteen players from last season. One or two may have drifted off that I don't know about, uh, and they've bought in another eight. So as it stands at the moment, Southend United <coughs> have got twenty-seven players, uh, and they have made some significant signings there. Phil Brown, it has to be acknowledged, Tom has bought in players that are proven at this level, even if he isn't. Absolutely. And how many times have we seen it time and time again from managers who haven't managed in the National League before flood their squads with people who played league football, played league football for their whole careers, and then they don't cut it in the National League because it is a different league. Um, as the Sutton fans call it, the bastard league. It requires something <laughs> slightly different to the Football League. Um, and so you spot on Reese Murphy, Jack Bridge, Josh Colson, James Dunn, that, all of them. Steve Arnold, Abu Agogo, they all know non-league football. They know what it takes to get out of this division, and I think he has signed very well. The only, the only thing I counteract with that, Rob, is he's kept on. I think 
They kept on a lot of the squad that got relegated from League Two. The confidence will still be low, won't it? And again, if they didn't yeah. for an easy ride, they might struggle if the fans uh, go after him as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I of the I'm, I haven't predicted either of these teams to finish in the playoff positions. Of course, it's entirely possible that one of them might, with the clout that they've got, but and the size of club they've got, the number of fans they're getting through the ground. But the, the these seem to me absolute typical examples of big teams that come down. I'm not saying that they're underestimating it, but for me, um, to keep. 19 players from a squad that got relegated last season. Um, I, I, I quite, can't quite understand that. Grimsby, to be fair to them, um, have kept 15 players from last season. They've added an awful lot more, though. An awful lot more. And again, forgive me, Grimsby fans, if I'm one or two players or numbers out of date here, but I've got you with a 32-man squad for the National League. Now, Tom, you talked about keeping players happy. My goodness me, a lot of these are surely going to have to go out on loan, aren't they? Since the last time you were in the National League, I mean, it's such a strong league, isn't it, this year? It, there's probably about 10 teams you could say could get promoted, didn't there? Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't know if it's um, just me looking at it differently, but I, I've kind of looked a couple of seasons and thought it seemed as though it wasn't quite as strong. Mm. And then all of a sudden I look at, you know, Notts County look like they're getting themselves in order. Chesterfield, yeah. the same. Uh, with new owners coming in at both those clubs. Stockport, I think Stockport and Wrexham are the two most yeah. obvious that are uh, yeah, yeah. going to be the favourites. South End who's come down, Torquay. Bromley who would play first game, who, you know, they might not be the most obvious, yeah. but made the playoffs last year. Um, and, and a few more that perhaps didn't make the playoffs that will, will be hoping for better seasons, so... Yeah, lots of competition, but at the same time, I'd like to think when other managers are talking that we'll be sort of mentioned as well, and, and that's what we want to be. <laughs> and that's the thing you've mentioned half the teams there in the division, haven't you? It's, yeah, that, that's how tight it is. I hope I haven't, you know, left anyone out. Um, I certainly haven't in terms of being disrespectful. No, no, uh, no. They were just some of the ones that are more obvious, mm. I guess. And like I said, some. Uh, I, you know, I always look at Boreham Wood and think they always have some good players. Yeah. Um, Solihull, I think, will be looking to, to do better than last season. Neil Ardley going in there. Yeah. There's some experienced managers as well um, in the conference now. So we, we know it's going to be tough and you know, we, we need to um, use the, the next few weeks to, to try and improve, get even tighter as a group, you know, hopefully bring a couple more players in. Um, and then... I guess we'll we'll find out in the the weeks after that and months whether we are we are good enough. Yeah, and it just shows, I suppose, you don't always need the biggest budget. It's having the right team, isn't it? A mixture of experienced heads and, and the youngsters you've got. Yeah, look, I think you know, it was, something was said the other day about off, often it's the the teams with the most money that that do have success, and it certainly gives you a, a good chance. But sometimes it doesn't always bring the right characters or maybe expectation ways to Everley. Um, you know, certainly it wouldn't be worth starting the season if thought it was simply that because we'd mm. get a table out, the finances yeah. would come out, and it'd be pointless. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we, look, we we should still be competitive. Don't get me wrong; I'm not um, pleading poverty here. No, uh, that's no, for course, sure. No. But at the same time, I think there are some that are, are probably, you know, spending 
really big money. I think you only have to look at a couple of signings that have, <laughs> have occurred that yeah. have surprised a lots of people. I think in, you'd in love football. them, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, they look they, yeah. at the minute, especially we're not having a forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, look, we, we we're happy with the business that we've done, um, and like I say, hopefully we can, or the, certainly the players can prove that uh, in, in the weeks and months to come. Because you look through our squad as well. Yeah, they got rid of 15, but they had a huge squad in League Two. They've brought a lot of people who are used to playing Football League who are going to expect to be starting. Um, and they've signed a lot of people who are going to expect to be starting. Um, and then they're loaning in players from, what have they loaned in from Villa, from Coventry, from Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Those sort of loans, they come with caveats that you've got to give people minutes. You've got to give people time on the pitch. You can't, you can't loan in a, you know, a, a Seb or even from Aston Villa and not play him. Um, yeah, just, it's, it's huge, really. It's, stag- it's staggering, isn't it? Uh, uh, one or two of the more eye-catching signings for Grimsby. Michel Fete, obviously highly highly rated uh, when he moved up to Wilton. He's moved on up again, or he's moved across, sorry, but to a bigger club. Sean Pearson from Wrexham. If he can stay on the pitch, you know, put uh, some of his injury and his back problems behind him, that's a colossus signing. Uh, it'll give them real strength, leadership and know-how. Uh, and, and, and if he plays alongside David Long-King, who's a centre-back who's just on his way up through the game, who I love and I was fortunate enough to meet on the England sea trip to uh, Estonia. Um, and uh, uh, another name, a name that I can't quite believe is still playing football because I watched him play what must be 15 years ago for Aldershot, but Joel Grant um, has come from uh, Swindon. Uh, Max Crocombe, the goalkeeper, um, and Alex Hunt, the latest signing, a midfielder on loan from from Sheffield Wednesday. But uh, you know, for whatever comments you you see, think, make, or feel about James Rowe with all his wheeling and dealing, he's willed that Chesterfield squad down to twenty five now. Um, and that to me seems a far more manageable number uh, than these these clubs that are sitting around with. Uh, the best part of 30 or 30 plus players in. All right, let's have a look at the uh, difficult end of the National League. Of course, normally it would be four teams that would get uh, relegated, but there's just 23 teams in the league. So we understand only three will go down. And the most difficult task, of course, faces Dover Athletic, who will begin the season on minus 12 points. Um, they look to have a stronger squad than last year, Tom, don't they? And obviously uh, they'll be hoping that uh, Ricky Miller can uh, rekindle uh, his goal-scoring days there. But uh, how do you assess Dover's chances? I think it's spot on, mate. I think when you say they've got a stronger squad than last year, I actually think if it wasn't for the 12-point deduction, we wouldn't be talking about them as really strong contenders for relegation. I think they're a lower mid-table squad. Um, I think, uh, you know, they've... They've clearly brought in some good players, as you say, Ricky Miller, obviously. Seth Tomasi, I think he's a good signing from Maidenhead. Rita Johnson's a good signing as well, and so is Ben Williamson. So they've brought in good players. They did retain a couple, um, not a lot, but a couple. And I also really like the loan signing of Aaron Cosgrave from Wimbledon. Um, But I think that 12-point margin is difficult to overhaul. Another side that we feel might have a difficult second season at National League level is uh, Wilston All. Five of us have predicted them to finish in the bottom four. Uh, Luke or Tom, one of you want to make a point about Wilston? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it'll be it'll be difficult for them. I think they have gone 
maybe hybrid this year, but uh, they were always struggling. As I say, they've lost, they've lost Mitchell Effete, who was a big, uh, big plus for them last year. He's gone to Grinsby. Uh, Ryan Gondol's gone to Hampton and Richmond Borough, though he didn't really get a look in there at Wealdstone. Jacob, <laughs> Jacob Mendy's left as well. So the two fullbacks who are really prominent for them have both left. And in terms of signings, they bought in uh, Jack Cook from Woking, Reese Brown, uh, who was last at uh, Sutton, Andrew Eleferio from Dagenham and Redbridge, Josh Yamera, who scored goals at this level, uh, Matt Boos, or Boussé, who, who missed that uh, key penalty in the playoff final for Torquay, um, and uh, Medi Alito, Charlie Cooper uh, from Woking. He's a player I rate at this level, Tom. Uh, your thoughts on Wilston? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Ron Cooper. I think he's a good signing. Um, I think there's a couple of players at Woking who maybe didn't want to make that full-time move, Jack Cook and Charlie Cooper being two of them. And actually, Wilson was a perfect fit for them. Um, I quite like the signing of George Wickens on loan. Um, Fulham have got a good track record in turning out young keepers. I think he's England under-16 and under-17 international. Um, and that's a good signing for them. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a tough season. They're going to need Ben and Lewis to have a very good year amongst the goals. They're going to need a bit more from, I think, Danny Parrish. And Josh Umera is going to have to have a better season than he's had with uh, Torquay for the last year as well. Altrincham are a side that bob up and down between the National League and the National League North. And and they always seem to come into people's thinking. Uh, A couple of us uh, think that they might be involved in the bottom four, but... uh, there's a good feeling, I think, there, isn't there, Luke? And uh, I think they quietly uh, fancy themselves to to progress a bit this season. Yeah, Phil Parkinson's full-time manager, as we heard last year, first uh, first ever full-time manager at the club. They were going to go hybrid this year, but I think with COVID, that shelved the plans a little bit. So they are staying part-time. However, for, I've been told that they won't be signing just part-time players, as in, you know, somebody who's going to be a, a builder during the week. They're actually going to be signing players looking ahead to going to that hybrid stroke full-time model from that season onwards. So you, you will be seeing some decent players still coming in at Aldridge. So they kept the core of that squad from last year. And uh, I think they'll be fine. Weymouth, I've got another challenging second season at this level. They would appear to have one of the smallest squads uh, uh, in the National League this coming season. And, and Tom, they'll be really desperately hoping that the re-signing of Brandon Goodship pays off for them and he can uh, score the goals that keeps them uh, uh, you know, away from danger. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, actually, they've, they've pretty much revamped their whole forward line, really. Not just Goodship, but they've brought in um, Tom Berwish, they've brought in Brad Ash. Um, I think uh, I think they've, they've made some interesting signings. Xander McBurney's an interesting one in midfield as well. Uh, and Ross Fitzsimmons, I think, is a big upgrade on the keeper. They ended up muddling along with a few loan keepers last season. Um, but they they struggled last year. I think had we have seen relegation from this division, I think Weymouth, there's a good chance they, they would have gone down. Would they, did they finish in relegation spots? I think, no, I think Weymouth, they, uh, stayed, Weymouth stayed up on merit. They stayed up on merit. I'd go a slightly different route. Had they not, and it's a very good decision and it paid off, had they not managed to get in Andrew Dallas when they did, I think that, uh, you know, and, and the season had finished. I mean, it's all lifts and butts, isn't it? Well, you're right. I think uh, signing Brandon Goodship is a big bit of business for them. Um, they've revamped a lot of their forward line. Um, they've had quite a few outgoings from last season and quite a few incomings. And they do keep a small squad as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they can manage that transition. 
Um, they were right down the bottom of the league uh, towards, you know, the business end of the season. And getting Andrew Dallison at the right time sort of steadied them to safety. Um, you know, I think, you know, Rob, I think it's probably a bit of a blow to them this close to the season to see that he's, you know, gone to someone else. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Kings Lynn, a few of you boys think they might struggle this season. I don't. I think they'll be all right. I think, and that's because I think they've got a bloody good manager who's got fantastic connections uh, with Norwich and in football. Um, but uh, the big challenge, of course, for Kings Lynn um, is that they've gone full time. They've, they've 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 gone for the the tilt at it, um, and they brought in. Players like Paul Jones, very experienced keeper who's played high up the uh, Football League, Sheffield Wednesday, Peterborough, etc. Um, Junior Marias, who's a striker who's highly thought of, still only 25 years old. Uh, Pierce Bird at the back and Gold Omateo hasn't quite uh, performed at this level yet, has he? And his, his time at Wrexham, his time at Yeovil, but... Uh, and, and maybe he's hit his ceiling, I don't know. Joe Rowley, uh, Joe Rowley, Rowley an, an interesting one from Chesterfield as well, Tom. He's a gold, gold amateur has been more bronze at the minute, hasn't he? He's not really, as you say, not really hit his heights. And Joe Rowley's been part of the England C set up and he's been out of the side at Chester, in and out of the side at Chesterfield. So hopefully he'll um, be given a bit more freedom to, 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 to get a consistent run and do well. And like you say, uh, Junior Rice as well is another good sign. He didn't quite work out for him. At Bourne would have to move there from St Mirren, so that'll be it'll be interesting to see how Kingsland do. I, obviously, I don't think they'll be. They might be lower lower half of the table, um, or they could struggle. It'd just be dependent to see how they make that transition. Really, that's it. Now, this is quite a sad moment for me because in the four years that we've been doing this, all the shot I've never been mentioned as uh, potential uh, relegation. Uh, obviously, they did come incredibly close to it a few years back, but uh, I think for good reason, a a budget reduced for the fourth season running and the loss of some really, really key players, uh, particularly uh, Josh Reese, Joel Newble, uh, Craig Tanner. Um, It's it's going to be tough for Aldershot this season. We know that. Um, We know that a club that probably would have often looked at itself in the past as the sixth or seventh biggest club in the National League. It isn't anymore. And budget-wise, Aldershot probably has, uh, I don't know exactly, but somewhere in the bottom eight anyway, a budget. Um, and nothing more typified than the fact that uh, nine of the 22-man squad at the moment are former academy players, either from last season uh, or upgraded from the season before. Um couple of good signings in there. Kev Locko, um, you know, it will bring experience at the back. But uh, uh, it is going to be hard for Danny Salesman. I have to accept that. Um, Tom and Luke, you guys both feel all the shot will be in that bottom four. Just add what you can to what I've said. I mean, I'll, ju- I'll just add sorry, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to me, I think all the shot have kind of, because of the budgetary reasons that you mentioned, they're kind of standing still as a squad this year. Um, and it's really unfortunate for Walsh that the budgets are cutting it this season because there's so many players on the market. Because of the COVID squeeze squads higher at the pyramid, there's so many good players dropping down. And other clubs are in a position to take a splash on them. So whilst Oldershot might not necessarily be getting worse, they're not getting better than everybody else is. And that's a difficult position to be. Um, I look at the players that are going out I think actually you'll probably say yourself, Rob, there's maybe only one or two that you'd actually have really wanted to keep around. But one of them is Josh Reese. And 
that's he's such an important player in the way Oldershot want to play football. Um, he'd be a loss to any team in the National League, particularly one who's going to find it so difficult to replace him. Rob, yeah. is, is the expectation at Aldershot just to stay up? Is that good enough this year for, for the fans as well? Um, probably a tough one for the fans to swallow. But I think if they're honest with themselves and with each other, um, I, think, I think it is. I think, you know, we have to cut our cloth, cloth accordingly. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I've, I've watched them, followed them, commentated on them for years. I want them to win every single game that they play. Um, but, you know, if you offered me fifth, sixth, seventh bottom now, I would shake your hand on it for this coming season. I don't want to sound too negative and too depressed. A couple of positives for Aldershot. They have got a nice, tight bit of unity, a good environment that they work in. They've got settled training ground facilities now, and they've had a very good pre-season. They haven't particularly played uh, better clubs. They did play Sutton, and they did beat Sutton on merit. 2-1, um, and they remained unbeaten, won the vast majority of their other pre-season matches. I'd also say that I am quite excited to see how some of those youngsters develop for Aldershot Town, particularly for me, uh, young Tommy Willard and uh, Ellis Watts, who signed first-time contracts for them. I also think Giles Phillips signing from Wickham is brilliant because... Uh, um, he, he was outstanding in his time at Aldershot last season. The fact that he wants to come back, the fact that we managed to get him back, that's excellent. And uh, Aldershot may have the option this year to change it about a little bit at the back. They might not have to go with a four at the back. They might try a three at the back on some occasions, as they have done uh, in, uh, in pre-season. So it's not all gloom and doom. It's just about setting expectations uh, correctly. The key phrase there, Rob, as well, is cutting the cloth accordingly. I think, obviously... The fans would want the club to be run right and maybe risk relegation for it to be run right as opposed to going out and spending above your means trying to stay up and, and potentially putting the club into ruin again. Yeah, and that's something that I have to credit Danny Searle with. Uh, he, he, he will not that see, he will not let that happen under his watch. Uh, him and Anwar Udin have an excellent track record at recruiting players and they have an excellent track record now at developing players and that's one of the uh, you know, arguments they try and use in trying to attract players to the club. Don't rule out as well, you know, one or two uh, decent loan signings for Aldershot that might just make them a little bit more competitive. I think the biggest difference for me is in the attacking area. I was genuinely excited this time last season with Nuble coming in, with Reese coming in, with Tanner looking to come back from injury. Um, and, and, and this year, I feel a little bit more confident about the defensive side of the team um, but some question marks for me as to uh, you know where the goals are coming from and then if there'll be enough goals. Thanks, Tom. Off you go and do daddy daycare duties. <laughs> Nappies are calling me. Cheers, boys. I will catch you later. So one or two of us think that Dagenham might uh, creep into the playoff pr- picture this season. Uh, Luke, they were heavily expected to last season and it, it started pretty horrendously, didn't it? And we just kept debating week in, week out whether McMahon was about to lose his job, but he always seemed to save himself with a result. And then, of course, they got a lot steadier towards the end of the season. Belanta and McCallum started scoring regularly. Uh, and Dagenham fans will expect them to carry on where they left off, won't they? Yeah, they seemed to, they, they had a strong squad. And I know when I spoke to Darren McMahon, it was kind of with a key on this season. So they'll have kept a lot of it, hopefully make some additions as well. And, 
a good manager there. They're one year stronger for it now. And there doesn't seem to be as much pressure on Darren McMahon from the owners as maybe we think they might have been. So, yeah, it'll be interesting mm. to see how they go this year, but I think they may well sneak into the playoffs. I do think that uh, Darren McMahon thinks he's got it just about right there now because that's the most settled team in the National League this season. Just a couple of additions so far. They're good ones. Josh Walker from Barnet and Sam Ling from uh, Leighton Orient coming in to what is already considered to be a decent squad. So that's Dagenham and Redbridge. Halifax, the club you normally get along to watch two or three times a season. And you're always waxing lyrical, Luke, about what a good job Pete Wilde does. He's lost Jake High, but he's brought in uh, Billy Waters, Harvey Gilmore, and uh, somebody you and Chris know a lot about in uh, Matty Warburton. Yeah, really good, really good uh, strike. For, I think he can play across all the front lines. So if he can get into double figures, they've got a good chance. They've also lost Neil Byrne at the back as well. I know there was a lot of chagrin about the about that from the uh, the Halifax fans. However, I know they got a fee for Byrne from Hartlepool. He's moved up a level as well. And yeah, I do think that with Halifax, the fans' expectations are maybe a bit higher than they should be. I mean, look at Pete Wilde's. Um, budget and he said it himself he tries to play it down and he loves to get players in with projects as well reading his comments he loves to get in the younger players and, and work with them so if they get in if they're in and around the playoffs again they'll have, uh, they'll have had a really good season Another side that are normally well steered under the stewardship of Ben Strevens is Eastleigh they just missed out on the playoffs last season. They have been in it in recent seasons. Last year, they went with a lot of continuity. This year, well, they've kept 11 and they've added 11. Um, I know he's had to leave us now, Tom, but Tom's very excited about some of their midfield uh, signings, uh, particularly, I think, uh, Harry Pritchard, Jake Hesketh and, and Tom Whelan, who uh, is another one of those really good quality players that slipped away from Chesterfield as, as James Rowe uh, you know, looks to go right up the top end this season. Yeah, easily. I know Ben Strevens has said he was going to wait late until the transfer market. Well, he's done that and he's, he's certainly played his hand now, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Just looking at things up top for them. Well, Dan Smith and Tyrone Barnett and Ben House are still there. They haven't bought in any forwards. Uh, they did, of course, lose Adam Marriott, who's uh, gone to Barnet and uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll talk about Barnet in a short while. One other side that we have to mention in terms of uh, their competing potentially for a playoff position and that is uh, Boreham Wood. They once again will go with the smallest squad in the National League uh, and when you go with a squad as small as Luke Garrard does, you really do have to have a little bit of joy. You have to have a lot of discipline. Uh, in terms of not picking up suspensions and you have to steer away from from injuries too. But this year, just the eight players now staying at Borehamwood. It was nine, of course, but Chesterfield came in and took Kabongo uh, Shimanga. Uh, A fantastic eight players that have remained at Borehamwood, all very, very strong players at this level. And who have they brought in? Well, they've they've given first-time contracts to two or three academy players. They brought in Will Evans, the centre-back from Chesterfield. Josh Reese, an outstanding, one of the top two or three midfielders in the National League for me. Frankie Raymond, who's been there and done it at this level. Scott Bowden is uh, who they've brought in to try and replace the goals of Shimanga. And a really tidy little sign-in. Uh, well, he's almost two players in one. He's named twice. That's Jacob Mendy-Mendy. Yeah, 
And uh, that's the thing with Boreham. What does he say? Not a small squad, but what they do fill, they fill it with quality. And Scott, Scott Bolden's a bit of a wild card signing, I think, isn't it? Well, he's obviously scored goals at this level, but he's been, uh, you know, on a bit of a journey, literally, hasn't he? Uh, Travelling around over the last uh, couple of seasons. Hopefully he settles in here. Hopefully he'll hold down a regular place, uh, you know, the place that was held by Shimanga. But he's a different type of striker, isn't he? Um, you know, Shimanga always on the end of things in the box, uh, hustling, bustling, looking to uh, win possession. And, and, and Bowden isn't exactly the same type of striker, is he? No, he's more uh, he's more a fox in a box, a poacher, isn't he? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, ta- talking of, uh, obviously, we've talked about down at the bottom, but what about the teams who are going to be in and around mid-table, do we think, Rob? Yeah, well, we've looked now at 18 clubs. There's 23 in the league, so that leaves five. Um, let's start with Yeovil. Um, probably a surprise to some um, that, uh, that they've not been mentioned um, at either end. Uh, I think we have to acknowledge what an excellent job Darren Saal did, just steadying the ship, really, after uh, the traumatic events uh, and the loss of uh, Lee Collins last season. Well, none of us have picked him to finish in the top seven this season, Luke, but you've predicted him to uh, finish in, in the bottom four and uh, tell us your reasons for that. There's a lot of, uh, again, there's a lot of turmoil there. The, the, the owner, I think, wants away already. They've not really backed Darren Saal. They've got no proper striker in. So they've got a very thin squad. If they get a few injuries, I think they'll be really they'll be in real big trouble. Yeah, Ruben Reed and Joe Quigley still there, but of course they have lost uh, uh well, they had Matty Warburton there on loan, didn't they? Uh, Chris Dagnall's gone, Reese Murphy, Murphy yeah. has, has gone to South End. Um, you know, Josh Nerfil, a forward minded player as well. So um yeah, uh, it looks like a, a squad of nineteen or twenty at Yeovil, um, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do go on this season. Barnet, who uh, you know had there been a relegation last season, would have been in big big trouble, um, but a tremendous turnaround under what turned out to be a temporary uh, management team, uh, Luke. But interesting that uh, Harry Kuehl has now come in with uh, your man from uh, Wilston, the former Wilston manager, uh, taking over as the uh, as the head of football. Uh, what do you think of that change? Yeah, Dean Brennan's a shrewd signer. Obviously, again, Harry Kuehl, who's married, managed at Oldham and Crawley and, and Notts County when they were in the Football League. And with sort of mixed success so far at all his clubs, but... He's probably someone who doesn't know the league, which is why Dean Brennan's there to, to kind of guide him. And Dean Brennan's at a shrewd signing. The rumours were to believe, I think, Barnett wanted Dean Brennan last season. Didn't quite work out in the end before he left Wheelstone. He's there now. And I'm sure he'll give uh, Harry Cool a lot of good advice. Yeah, and and, and uh, initially, you know, what's happened at Barnet? They, they, they have only got seven players signed on again from last season. So let's look at who they bought in. Josh Payne, obviously, uh, you know, well-known at this level. Josh Doherty, a left-back from Colchester. Um, Keith Flanagan, a midfielder from Palace. Uh, Sam Beard's come in, and Tom alluded to just how much he thinks of him, and I do too. Um, he's an absolute workhorse in defence, probably on the left side of defence. Mason Bloomfield and Adam Marriott coming in at the top end. Uh, and that certainly uh, potentially give them some more firepower. Jamie Turley at the back and the uh, the nouse of Mitch Brundle 
in midfield. Uh, and so had Tazdemir, a, 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 an attacking midfielder who really caught the eye at Fylde a few years ago, got a move to Peterborough, but now he's come on loan for a season. Still only 20 years old, uh, Tazdemir, Luke, and uh, he's now got a platform to go on. Yeah, absolutely, and he can showcase his skills at Barnet. Um, a couple of other clubs left to review, I think, Rob, isn't there? Yeah, three teams left. Uh, we've got Maidenhead, Solihull and Woking. Let's look at Woking. A transitional season for them as well. Like Kingsley, they've gone full-time this season. And uh, Dowse seems to be going with a, a pretty large squad as well. Not as big as, uh, as uh, Grimsby's, but uh, uh, Tom had a point that he wanted to make. He was very, very impressed with the signing of Solomon Nwabukai. I think that's how you say it. He was the heart of the St Albans midfield last season. Uh, so that's an astute signing from uh, from Dows, who's also brought in Tom Champion, very experienced at this level. Of course, one promotion from this level with Cambridge uh, many years ago. Uh, Joe McNerney has come in from Crawley. Inny Effingong uh, has come back to uh, working for a second spell at the cards, as has Tyreke Johnson. Rohan Ince, uh, a decent uh, midfielder as well. And... Uh, Joe Partington coming in from 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 Eastleigh. Um, so it's an unknown quantity, isn't it, Woking? It really is. Um, I wouldn't have a clue how they're going to do. Um, the last couple of seasons it, at this level, they've started like a house on fire and then fallen away terribly. Um, I guess that's one, one, one thing that Dow should be looking to address this season, Luke. Yeah, absolutely. And again, full-time. A chance for Dows to showcase his skills, a chance for Woking to showcase his skills and show that they're not down there. Because like you said, he had a terrible run at the end of last season. He won't be wanting to have that repeated again, especially now that they have gone full-time and they're showing a bit more ambition. Absolutely. There's probably um, mixed opinions out there of how well Solihull Moors will do this season. A couple of things of note. Neil Ardley has come in as the manager. Obviously, uh, you know, recent experience at this level with Notts County. They've gone for a lot of continuity this season. 16 players still signed on from last season. Uh, half a dozen or so have come in, more notably Ryan Barnett, um, a forward from Shrewsbury. Uh, Matt Preston, the centre-back from, from Barnett. Uh, Danny Newton, Lois Maynard, who's been about this level for a while. He's come on a season loan from Stockport. And uh, that signing we uh, alluded to earlier, Andrew Dallas, from Cambridge. What do you think on uh, Solihull Moors yourself? Should we be talking about them really in that group to chase the playoffs at Luke or is mid-table about right? It'd be interesting. Neil Adams is an experienced manager, isn't it? So we'll have to see how he goes. It could push into the playoffs, couldn't it? But there's so many strong teams this year. It's, it's so difficult to call. There'll be three or four, five teams fighting for those, probably those last two playoff spots. And finally, last but not least, if you've been uh, waiting for mention of the Maidenhead fans, uh, thanks to the nous of Alan Devonshire, we've paid you the ultimate compliment this year. For the first time in four years, none of us have picked Maidenhead to be in the bottom four. So it looks like bad news for Maidenhead then, Luke. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they have lost the goals, haven't they? Danilo Arce, he's gone to Harrogate. I think Josh Conley's gone as well. So um, I think Sam Barrett might be on the move. Or at least he's still there in a minute. But uh, mm. yeah, as you say... Think... Yeah. No, it's a good point. Kane Ferdinand's come in from midfield. 
sorry, from Kane Ferdinand again. Kane Ferdinand's come in from Woking, and he tends to get a fair amount of goals from midfield. Will de Havilland is now an experienced uh, centre back at this level, uh, and in terms of trying to replace those goals of Danilo Orsi, uh, Dylan Asoyangi. I think it might be right. I might have got it wrong. From Oxford United and Emil Aqua from uh, Southend. Uh, so we'll see how they go. But what we do know about uh, Alan Devonshire is he knows how to find uh, a winning formula uh, and pick up points in those games where you write them off. So uh, good luck to Maidenhead. Good luck to all the clubs uh, this season. It's an impossible task, Luke, isn't it? Trying to predict uh, where they're finished. But we've put our cards on the table. And we'll review it again at the end of the season and have a damn good laugh at each other. We sure will. Uh, that is it. Thank you very much for tuning in to us. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. You can subscribe to us and hear everything on iTunes and Spotify and across all good podcasting platforms. Um, my thanks to Tom, as I say, who's gone off to change nappies and to yourself, Rob. Yeah, pleasure as always, Luke. Brill. Well, that is it. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all very soon. 